Hello world, this is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show. Thank you for subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app slash music streaming app, wherever it is you get the show. Thank you for subscribing. Please tell a friend and give the show five stars or a thumbs up, write a little review, whatever you can do. Just help spread the word. Thank you also for following the show at Cape Pod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, very much appreciated. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel, which if you go to YouTube and search Chris Abala or Chris Abala's podcast experiment, something's bound to come up. No, the show channel will obviously come up. And speaking of which, I actually didn't address this, but I probably should. So if you've been listening to the show for the last couple of months, not too long ago, I'd been referring to the Half-Assed Media channel, which is where episodes of Cape from years past and uh, also some recent video episodes and all the video clips are going up on a weekly basis. Well, I was speaking to somebody, a professional, about my ambitions and my goals for the show and the channel and all of that other stuff, some more long-term, bigger goals. And when it came to the subject of the YouTube channel, it was, (laughs) it basically went, Half-Assed Media, really funny name. You might want to think about changing that if you want to do something serious with this. So I said, uh, yeah, I guess so. So the channel is just Chris Abalo now because it's not exclusively going to be Cape. There are going to be some other non-podcast-oriented things that are going to go up on the channel, which is why it was a media company or media name channel, production company name previously. And that's going to be the home for some other stuff, not just Cape. So I didn't want to make it like a Cape channel and then make a separate channel for everything else. Uh, the point of half-assed media once upon a time was it was going to be all sorts of stuff. There were going to be sketch videos. There was going to be some, you know, behind the scenes stuff, whether it was associated with the show or not. Now I, there isn't a name yet. Let's put it that way. So renaming it after me just seemed practical because I'll be involved in most, I mean, in some capacity, I'll be involved in everything on the YouTube channel, but there's stuff coming that is not going to be podcast oriented. So you should subscribe and look out for that. But if you're wondering what was going on or why I haven't mentioned it, then uh, there you go. So some other stuff to get into, some announcements and things like that. Uh, so there will be an October live stream, kind of tease that. That will be announced shortly. And since this is a solo show, it's just going to be me. There is no video episode of the show this week, which means there will be no video clips from it. Look, if you did want to watch an episode of just me sitting here yakking into a microphone, that's very flattering. I'm touched. However, you're going to be disappointed because that's not how it's going to be. No, because it's my birthday week, I am going to be picking some of my favorite clips that uh, we have video of that are going to be going out on YouTube and Instagram. So make sure you're subscribed and following and you can check those out. Stuff that hasn't been seen, some pre-show stuff and some actual show stuff that I just enjoyed that uh, just haven't been video clips for yet. So I'm putting those out instead since there are no actual videos from this week. So make sure you're subscribed and following. Now, speaking of my birthday, that brings me to this episode. And I'm going to be sliding out of announcer voice now. (laughs) I realize I do that. And look, that's the gig. You're hosting a show. You have to bring some energy to it. You have to 
keep people excited and everything. I joke about it. The other guys joke about it where it's just like, everything's up and I'm super hyperactive and everything's going to be high and up here. And da, da, da. Yeah, that's not going to be the entire tone of the show because that's going to get exhausting. If I walked around like that, talking like that in my personal life, nobody would want to be around me. So I don't do that all the time. So I am going to slide out of announcer mode and get a little more casual right now because I'm here to talk to you about my birthday. This Thursday, October 7th, is my 40th birthday. And it's weird to say that out loud, but at the same time, it's not like I didn't know it was coming. I'm pretty good at math. I was born October 7th, 1981, so it adds up. But being 40, it's something that people have an opinion on and something people put a lot of emphasis on as far as how do you feel about it. And, you know, the term midlife crisis is a thing for a reason. So a lot of people want to know how do you feel about turning 40 or being over the hill or, you know, whatever it is they're saying. I don't know if that's as big a deal as it used to be. It was like a sitcom joke growing up in the 80s and even the 90s, like turning 40 over the hill. And ultimately, someone would give whoever celebrating the 40th, their 40th birthday, a T-shirt with over the hill printed on it or something like that. Something really lame. It was kind of like one of those jokes. I don't know that there's as much of a stigma about it anymore. I kind of don't think so. But it is an age people take into consideration, just like 30. People still look at 30 as like, well, as a transitional age or as a a marker for a point in your life of where you should be. Or a lot of people set goals for this is what I want by the time I'm 30. So 30 and 40 tend to be important ages in that regard, as far as like milestones in life. And the reason I even called this episode 40 cast is because 10 years ago on the only podcast that matters did an episode called 30 cast because out of my particular social group, the immediate group of those involved in the podcast, even today, with the exception of the great Ming Chen and Mike Zapsek, if I'm including Chris Mad and Christian Cordes, I'm the oldest out of everybody only by a couple of months. So needless to say, I was also the first one to turn 30. And because of that milestone, 10 years ago, we did an episode about it because the other guys were still in their 20s and they kind of wanted to talk about the thought of turning 30 and what it meant and all that stuff. So I figured, well, we're not doing this is the the evolution of the only podcast that matters. Essentially, that's what Cape has become. So I said, well, let's just call it 40 cast because it's in the spirit of the other show, except I'm doing it by myself. So I kind of want to talk honestly about the last couple of years, in particular, the last year, because 39 has been a very, very unique year, and I've taken a lot away from it. And I want to get into that. If you've only started listening to the show in the last year and a half since Cape 101, when the show came back uh, just over a year and a half ago, when lockdown started at the beginning of the pandemic, I've mentioned it a couple of times. But if you're newer than that, just so you know, the the plan was originally to start doing Cape in January of 2020. I was going to bring the show back just because I wanted something to work on. For me, the podcast, having the perpetual project that is a weekly podcast, which was the only podcast that matters and was Cape for quite a while for, well, it used to be bi-weekly in 2013, 2014. It was weekly for 2015 and then 2016. The last run of Cape 2.0, let's call it was a bi-weekly, which happened at the beginning of 2016, which I'm not going to get into all of that now, but I knew that having something to work on ostensibly on a weekly basis was just better for me creatively because I feel like my radar is open. I feel like if I'm looking around for ideas, if I need to produce something on a weekly basis, I'm going to be more tuned into things as far as, oh, that's a funny story, or, 
oh, that's something that's worth talking about or whatever. And some of those ideas I pour into my writing and other creative projects. The podcast is far from the only thing I'm working on. But having this to work on on a weekly basis has been kind of the springboard for a lot of those ideas, which is what the podcast has served as. For the most part, a year and a half ago when I started doing it again, it was so my brain didn't eat itself. During lockdown, I knew this was going to be a difficult time with quarantine and there was a lot of uncertainty and there was the pretty selfless thought of, well, I want to check in with my friends and at the same time put something out there that isn't fear and paranoia and just kind of talk to everybody about how they're dealing with it. But that wasn't the initial plan for relaunching CAPE, this current iteration of CAPE. The original idea was to bring it back in January of 2020, but I was crazy sick from the end of December through almost the end of February, uh, the end of 2019 and into the first two months of 2020. Now, my primary care doctor doesn't think it was COVID. I saw her three times in January and she sent me for a lung x-ray after the third time. And the lung x-ray was clear. It has been brought to my attention that, well, in February of 2020, they may not have known what to look for and what COVID looked like or whatever. It's a possibility that you had it and they did, didn't diagnose it. They didn't know how to diagnose it at that point because it wasn't. Now we know it was in the U.S. at that point, but it was believed to not be. So it wasn't really something that was on people's radar, even though there was an awareness of coronavirus and it was in the, the lexicon at that point. It had been for a little while. It wasn't prevalent in the U.S. So it's been suggested to me that, well, maybe they didn't know they were looking for it, but it's also impossible to know if I had it, because by the time I did get an antibody test, the antibodies would have been gone. I got one around July, but because I was feeling better at the end of February, if I had antibodies, it would have been gone by then. Anyway, all of that to say, I didn't start the show at the beginning of 2020 because I was coughing constantly and coughing is not going to help you when you're doing, when you're working in an audio medium, it was really bad. It was persistent for almost two months. I was coughing all the time. I can only sleep for three hours at a time. I realize I've talked about some of this in the past, but we've also gained a lot of new listeners. So I did kind of want to touch on this because it all plays into the story and everything I'm about to get to with this last year. Now, my initial thought was Cape 101 and Cape 102. I was going to sit down with Jack and Ryan and basically recap the last couple of years and talk about my experiences in Los Angeles, what led me to move back to New Jersey at the end of 2018 after six years in Los Angeles and all of that stuff. I thought, well, let me put it out there because if anybody's still subscribed at the beginning of, I mean, three and a half years after the last episode of Cape, Cape 100 was, I think, August of 2016, then anybody who is subscribed, if they're even getting, if the feed refreshes or something, they're probably interested or anyone who's going to listen to the show, regardless, a show with no promotion, with no notable names or anything like that. Well, then they're probably interested in my story and don't necessarily know about it. And frankly, those guys don't know about it. I wasn't candid with them about everything that was going on with me in California. Because I wanted to be positive and I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to worry about me. Just to put it simply, I really didn't want anybody to be concerned about my well-being. So I wasn't honest with my friends about how bad things got. And I was prepared to get into this in Cape 168 and 169 as well, which were the two mental health episodes I did with Ryan and Andrew. I was prepared to talk more about my experiences with debilitating anxiety and the circumstances in California that led to my anxiety and the things that kind of uh, accumulated over time to where anxiety hit me like an anvil in 
2015, just after my 34th birthday, just literally two weeks later. So I never really got into that, but it plays into this whole thing. I'm not trying to do some major buildup or anything like that, but I just want to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to set the stage as much as possible. I'm talking very, very much off the top of my head about all of this now, and this won't be severely edited or anything like that. So if you hear me shifting around in my chair or some speech pattern nonsense, or if I say, um, or these occasional lip smack or something like that, and you can tell by my tone of voice, cause it's not up here where it is the beginning of the show. It's down here now because now I'm being conversational. <laughs> so whew, what a relief. He's not gonna do that the entire time. Awesome. He's going to get serious. Well, not completely serious. I can't be serious 100% of the time. I don't think I'm capable of it. Regardless, I am going to speak to you in a more uh, relaxed and candid way about what's gone on because that's my big takeaway from my 30s. Um, in retrospect, although I knew it long before <laughs> this week, long before my uh, impending birthday, my 30s were the most difficult decade of my life. I had the lowest lows that I've had. I've had to deal with anxiety. I've been depressed. I do think there were points where I had a low-grade depression, not to the point where I was ever not functional, but obviously there is a there's a scale when it comes to a spectrum if you will when it comes to depression. So, I believe I had some of that at different points. Uh my biggest heartbreaks were in my 30s, you know, in in my personal relationships. Um so it's been a really really challenging decade. But things have changed in the last year. But we'll get to that a little bit later because I want to go through more of that. Now, I haven't spoken a lot about my time in Los Angeles and what led me coming back to New Jersey and all of that. As I said, originally the plan was to speak about those when the show returned at the beginning of 2020, but that didn't happen. It just became about quarantine and lockdown and how's everybody doing. But people also enjoyed the fact I got a lot of positive feedback on the pre-show from Cape 162 and 163, since that ended up being a two-parter, when I was speaking with Militia Vox about Los Angeles. And I did open up a little bit, not with the intention of putting it out there, even though in the back of my mind while I was talking, I knew it was going to go up on the Patreon. I support the show, patreon.com slash Pot. Five bucks a month, you get a bunch of bonuses, uh, including that pre-show that I'm talking about. But anyway, I did get into it because we were talking about the differences between Los Angeles and the things we can't stand about Los Angeles compared to the East Coast. Uh, her being a New Yorker and me being a, a Jersian, but people kind of wanted to hear about that. And I'd forgotten about it because the show had some momentum and had this dynamic where I was doing interviews. I was doing one-on-ones and I was doing group shows with everybody on Zoom and of course doing them at the studio as well. So there was never a point I wanted to go back and talk about all that stuff because I thought, well, kind of past that. The show now has its thing. I feel like the show has is in a groove. But at the same time, in the last year and a half, we're now in this place in the world, I'm just going to say in society at large, where people are having larger discussions about mental health, about their struggles and what they're dealing with. And all that led to the fact that Andrew and Ryan and myself wanted to do episodes about mental health. Uh, that's actually something, even though we did them in May of 2021, that's something we've been talking about for months. The two of them in particular were big proponents. They, they'd been talking about that to me for a while and really wanted to do it because of what therapy has meant to them. and in Andrew's case, medication and, you know, their experiences. And it is something people want to talk about. So it's not that I feel like I can give you any great wisdom necessarily. I'm just here to tell you about my experience and hopefully there will be some takeaway for you. This isn't just an act of self-indulgence for me. I'm hoping you'll get something out of this, but I don't know. I'm not going to fool you and tell you I have any great wisdom to share, or if I do, I'm going to save it for the end. 
So you're going to listen to the whole show. <laughs> okay. So what are the essential things to know about Los Angeles? Well, number one, there will be a larger conversation about this coming soon. That will be on the Patreon because the plan is to do an overall multi-part discussion, which people would probably only be interested in if you're hardcore. Like if you're a supporter and you're looking for the extra stuff beyond just the weekly Monday show, I feel like this would be a little more specific, you know, if you're really into Cape and really into the only podcast matters and the group of us. I don't know that this would be a general public thing. So that's why the plan is to do it for Patreon sometime between now and the end of the year. I'm going to be getting together with Ryan, Andrew and Jack to talk about the history of the only podcast that matters, the history of Cape and the L.A. years part two, because 2000, 2006 to 2008, I was there, but I was attending Musicians Institute. So I was kind of in the the college bubble, so to speak. So that that's California 1.0, the LA years 2.0 or volume two. That's 2012 to 2018. But since people liked hearing bits and pieces about the experience and with what I've learned from it in retrospect, yes, let's get into some of it now. So let me go back a little bit to 2012 because this is all connected. And that's why this multi-part thing will involve those three elements because everything overlaps. So there's no way of getting around how those things are intertwined. So it'd be impossible not talk about the only podcast that matters and the the life of that, the life of Cape, and my time in Los Angeles, because they're all inextricably linked. There's no avoiding it. In October, actually right after my 30th birthday, literally October 13th, less than a week after my 30th birthday, I got fired from the only job I've ever been fired from. I was working for Whole Foods, and I was fired in an attempt of, I don't know if libel is going to play into this, libel, whatever it's called. But uh, essentially, during what I take as being house cleaning, I was one of five people fired that day from that one department, no less. I was working at the front end. I was a cashier supervisor there. Myself and four cashiers all wiped out in a day. Got it. Okay. And at that point, because we've been rolling for over a year with the only podcast that matters, we were doing the weekly show. It was every Friday for the entire time since we launched in October of 2010. So we've been doing a year on a weekly basis. We started doing videos. And I said, you know, I really feel like I can make a serious stab at doing something in entertainment. Music had kind of gone to the back burner. I didn't know where I was going to go with that. And things were changing. This is just before the streaming era, but when people stopped buying music. So things were kind of up in the air. And I was also just losing my, at that point, I didn't have much of a stomach for being in another band. So music was no longer my priority, but I thought, you know, I, I enjoy writing. I enjoy creating this stuff. And the ambition was as a group, we were going to go somewhere. The podcast, the only podcast that matters was going to be a springboard for a lot of other projects. And that's why we started doing sketch videos and doing uh, more serious episodes. We had a, a series called Half Cast, which I think we did about 20 of them, writing blogs on a weekly basis. There, there were a bunch of things that were that we were doing and that I was doing where I thought, you know, maybe it's time to make a serious stab at this. I was applying to all sorts of bottom of the ladder, if there was even a ladder there. <laughs> Bottom rung of the ladder jobs in New York City. If I got one of them, I was just going to move to North Jersey, which is where I am now. It's funny the way things play out. But I was trying to get, you know, production assistant or work in a mailroom or whatever the hell. I just thought, let me get in somewhere so I can start building a career or at least let me get a foot in the door and then I will figure things out. It's kind of my my strategy. And I heard absolutely nothing. Granted, my only professional work was working on a podcast, which even at the beginning of 2012 wasn't as much of a thing. I mean, now podcasts are ubiquitous and everybody does them, regardless of what you're known for 
You also do a podcast. Actors, actresses, musicians, comedians, everybody. Literally everybody does a freaking podcast. So now it's completely different than it used to be. And seeing that I've done podcasting now for 11 years, actually, it's going to be 11 years on a Sunday, October 10th. We launched the only podcast that matters on 10, 10, 10, just kind of landed that way. By the time we were ready, we were starting on a Friday. It's just like, oh, look at that. October 10th, 2010. That'll be easy to remember. So it's actually coming up on 11 years now, which now means something. It didn't mean shit in 2012, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And, uh, you know, working on our own productions and having videos that we did on YouTube, that probably wasn't enough to get anyone's attention, which that was my entertainment resume. It was before I started doing voiceover. So that's all I really had to, to go on. But I was having zero luck getting anything in New York. Never even got called for an interview. So I had this feeling, okay, maybe I need to go out to California because 90% of the entertainment jobs are out there. And I, I know I can live there because I lived there for school. So my thought was, let me go out for like two or three months. Let me try to get like a production assistant job, a PA job on something, on a film or whatever. Let me go out there and then try to get something on my resume. When that job comes to an end, I'll move back to the East Coast and at least I'll have something on my resume that I can apply for jobs in New York. There was no part of me that was looking at moving back to California or this trip to California for work as a gateway to moving back to California. That was not my intention at the time. So my plan was actually to go out in summer of 2012. I was going to go around July because my thought was, well, if I'm if a movie shoots for, you know, let's say two to three months, let's say a movie shooting for eight or 10 weeks, if I could get in on that, not knowing, by the way, how any of that was going to go. But I just figured, let me at least get out there and then I'll figure it out. Applying for jobs while your address is New Jersey, you know, looking for Los Angeles jobs is not not such a great idea. So I figured, let me at least be there so I have a, a better chance of getting called back. The plan was to leave around like July-ish, maybe August, because I wanted to be back by Christmas, if nothing else. I didn't leave until mid-September, because, which shortened my window because I wanted to be back in time for Christmas. And also productions and everything shut down you know, for the holidays. That's just a, a common thing. But I thought, well, if anything's going to start, it's probably going to start now. You know, Even TV shows that premiere in September start shooting in August. So I thought, well, let me be out there at the, the beginning of this so I could try to get in on something. My girlfriend at the time was graduating from college. Well, had graduated that May and was having her graduation party in August and basically said it would look really bad to her family if I wasn't there for her graduation party. Now, they didn't know I didn't have a job because she had never told them that I got fired from Whole Foods as far as they knew I was working. So the idea that I was going to be gone, like all of that was kind of baked into this. So I said, all right, well, if we're going to keep up this facade, let, let me stick around and uh, I'll, I'll wait. So that way we could keep up appearances and everything will look okay. Like I realize I'll be cutting things a little short, but sure, let me give this a shot. Let's stick around and then I'll go out in September. No big deal. Unfortunately, despite that, our relationship ended on Labor Day weekend. I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but that happened. Our relationship ended. So I was going out to California with less ties to what was going on in New Jersey. Now, it also was happening in 2012, and this has been talked about in the past and will be more uh, elaborately discussed as a group just because you'll have everybody's perspective. Although if you do want to go back to Cape 94, 95 and 96, which were from 2016, I did one-on-one -on -one interviews. I essentially interviewed Andrew Ryan and Jack because we were launching 
the only podcast that matters, The Guide to Life, on June 10th of 2016. So I said, well, what better time than to talk to these guys about their lives and about the only podcast that matters, which we kind of put to bed at the end of 2014, which which we'll get into in a more elaborate way and a more balanced way with everybody's perspective. I'm not going to get into that on this particular episode, but the wheels starting to come. The wheels were getting rickety. The wheels weren't really coming off of the show in 2012, but I felt less confident in the future of the only podcast that matters. Given that I didn't know where that was going to go. And given that I didn't have my relationship to return to when I was done working, whatever this gig was going to be, my plan was to still come back for Christmas, but it was difficult. It was really, really hard being out there. Um, this is also when Hurricane Sandy happened, which did not help because everybody I loved and cared about, with the exception of my sister, who has been in California, has been in Los Angeles since September 2007. But everybody else, those closest to me, were dealing with Hurricane Sandy. So even though I was in sunny Southern California in October of 2012, my head was in the the wreckage of that hurricane. And that word isn't even suitable for what that hurricane did to this area, the devastation that it caused to the Jersey Shore area and beyond, certainly not just here up into New York and all over the East Coast. It was it was horrendous. Mentally, I was here for that. I wasn't particularly present for uh, what was going on, which wasn't a lot because long story short, I didn't find a job when I was going out there. I tried, I applied for a bunch of stuff and I didn't have any luck out there either. What I was doing though, is I was doing a voiceover workshop. Mondays, I was going to a uh, voiceover workshop in somebody's home studio, which is run by a professional, which I was turned on to courtesy of Rick Scarry. He was actually on Cape 4, the fourth episode of Cape ever. He was good enough to come to my apartment in Valley Village and talk to me about his career in, you know, working in TV and film and radio and all sorts of stuff. And then we continued that conversation, Cape 78 and 79. Uh, he's a seasoned actor who's been at it for a long time. And being friendly with him, we met up and he was giving me a couple of suggestions for things to look for. Now, he was he's more on his way out of show business age wise and experience wise. He's not working as much as certainly he used to. He's, he's closer to uh, semi-retirement, or at least was at that point. He's still working now, thankfully, but he isn't working as much as he used to. He's not grinding away at it like you do when you're still chasing something. But because of people he knew and people he worked with, he did suggest this teacher and this workshop for me to get into. So I was doing that on a weekly basis, and that's it. It was a really, really difficult time, and that was really, really... It was a low time. I was mostly alone and feeling like the show could fall apart at any minute, which is how I felt at the time. I'm not putting that on everybody. I'm not saying that's definitely how it was, but how I felt in fall of 2012 was, well, I don't know if the, the only podcast that matters is going to continue without my presence. That was part of my frustration with what was going on in 2012 was I felt like, and I'll get into this with the guys, but I felt like a disproportionate amount of responsibility was on me just to make sure the show kept going. And I'm not putting anybody down by saying that. Frankly, that's a discussion I've had with the three guys uh, individually that they've copped to that <laughs> recent years. They've admitted that there was a lot and that's not how it was supposed to be. And they understand why I felt the way I felt at the time. So I'm not dishing any dirt right now by talking about that. But there was the uncertainty about whether that was going to continue and if I wanted to go back to it and the depression over the end of my relationship. So I was in a really bad place at the end of 2012. But. The voiceover thing was going really well. There seemed to be a lot of potential. And my gut told me to return to California in part because I didn't feel like I was leaving a whole lot behind in Jersey. 
Got home a few days before Christmas of 2012. Drove both times because I, obviously I was going to be out there for an extended period of time. So headed back. Started up with doing episodes of the only podcast that matters with everybody. And then in February of 2013, I waited a while to tell them I was even going back. But in February of 2013, packed up the car and headed back out there and said, okay, I'm going to try to get something going. I'm going to try to find a job. Basically, the same intentions I had when I was looking for jobs in New York in 2012. I said, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try to get in somewhere and work on stuff. At the same time, I was still feeling insecure about the future of the only podcast that matters. I felt good and it was a shot in the arm to have me back from what the guys told me at the time. And again, in hindsight, for the two months that I was back doing shows with them and we're having a good time, but I was cautiously optimistic about that and I didn't want to put all my eggs in that basket again. And so let me keep working on this because I was afraid that the things that made the wheels rickety in the first place, hadn't gone away. I felt like they temporarily felt better. I felt like there was just a band-aid put on all that stuff. And to be honest, myself and the other guys, by the other guys, I mean specifically Andrew, Ryan, Jack, just to be clear, because the regulars on the on Cape at this point, so you certainly know who I'm talking about. Um, but also Jimmy and Corey, who haven't been on nearly as frequently on Cape as we want them to be. But I was just talking to them today, actually, about that. But specifically the four of us. We also didn't know how to approach conflict with each other when it came to any area of life, the, the podcast or friendship or anything like that. Uh, we just didn't have, uh, let's say, the language to approach each other with it. And so our communication wasn't the best. And I also didn't want to tell them, well, I don't know how long this thing is going to last, guys, but you know, there we go. The only thing I did say with regard to the show was... We banked a handful, not a whole lot, but I said, well, I will make trips back and we will bank the show. But all I said was, don't refer to me being not in Jersey. Don't refer to me being in California during any of this. Just don't mention it. If I'm not on the show, don't bring up the fact, oh, yeah, Chris is in California or, you know, Chris isn't in Jersey or we don't know what we're going to say. I said, just, just don't bring that up, which the only one who, at least at the time, verbally gave any pushback <laughs> to that idea was Ryan because he said, oh, we're supposed to act like you're still on the show and blah, blah, blah. He, he kind of said something to that effect. But that wasn't the idea. I didn't say this to them at the time, but my thought was, well, things don't work out and I end up coming back to Jersey with my tail between my legs. I'd rather it not be public knowledge. That's what I felt underneath it all was, well, if I can't find something and if the same thing happens in Los Angeles that happened here, trying to look for jobs in New York, I really don't want to talk about it. I'd rather just keep that to myself. I don't want to air that out on the show and look like, well, he tried to do something and uh, it didn't work out. Poor Chris. Now he's back in Jersey, you know, <laughs> making jokes on the Internet for free with his friends. So I, I kind of didn't want to put that out there. So that's that was the reason for it, even though I didn't I don't think I put it to them the right way at the time. But my disappointment and frustration with working with those guys and the state of things at the time. Another reason I thought it was smart to move out to Los Angeles was, well, let me get around other people who are motivated, other people who are putting skin in the game by moving out there and chasing this, trying to do something creative, trying to write, trying to do films, trying to act, trying to do comedy, whatever it is. I said, I will meet other people who are driven and creative in the same ways I am. So this will be a smart move for me. This will be good. And I did meet some people. And a lot of those people came on Cape in those first hundred episodes. And it was fun. I had a lot of fun and I wrote a lot of things that didn't get produced and <laughs> got together with people to work on different things. Uh, Cape, frankly, was the one consistency during that time. And on my end, I was writing stuff. I'd written 
a couple of mostly TV stuff because there are a lot of these competitions that go on every year. I say um, open submissions or whatever you want to call them, where you could submit your screenplay and get on, you know, uh, one of the big networks like ABC and CBS or except, you know, send your sitcom pilot in and then maybe get into our our writing program or, or something like that to kind of uh, develop talent. So I wrote a bunch of that stuff and it got submitted and then never heard back from any of it, of course. So I was doing some creative stuff during that time, but I didn't find Los Angeles to be inspiring at all, in part because, number one, if you move out there without a gig, you're going to have a hard time anyway. And I mean that for anybody in any walk of life. But obviously, people go out there because they have show business aspirations like me. So I'm not throwing stones at that. But it's difficult because it's crazy expensive. It's only gotten way more expensive and certainly since 2012 and 2013. But even the last three years since I've left, just because that city is undergoing a uh, a bit of a they like to consider it a renaissance. I just consider it to be a huge disparity and who can afford to live there and who can't. But for my part, I was working on stuff and I was writing things and none of it was getting any traction. And I made some friends and I had some ideas and things I wanted to work on and different things I was involved with. I'm not going to rattle them off right now, but uh, there were things that were being worked on. But unfortunately, no lasting relationships. And I'm not going to call anybody out. There's no reason for that. There's there's no I've I've no purpose for doing that, but it wasn't what I expected. And as I said in that in that pre-show conversation, I wasn't crazy about the idea of every relationship ultimately being, what can you do for me? What can you do for my career? Now, that wasn't the case with 100% of people. There were certainly some people who I connected with on a more serious level. But by and large, I'm sorry to say that was the bulk of my experience. And it was difficult having diminishing returns when it came to being creative and meeting people who I thought were also writers or directors or actors and people, particularly because I write material, I thought, well, I'm fine with writing it and directing it. I need people who are willing to act it or who think I'm funny or interesting or talented or whatever, which it seemed I did because there were people who were happy to come on the show. They were happy to come on Cape and and be a part of that. So I thought, well, they'll probably want to be a part of other things I want to do because obviously they like me enough was my interpretation of it. Unfortunately, I also wasn't churning out the amount of stuff that I expected to. And the stuff I was writing, I've read some of it back. It wasn't great. I don't think I'm being too harsh on myself. I'm just looking at it as, okay, I could do better than this. Certainly things I've been writing in the last year have been vastly superior, but I just don't think I was inspired. I was too much of it was stress was consuming my brain. I mean, fast forward to dealing with anxiety. And when I had this huge panic attack, which I've talked about a couple of times, I don't want to get into it again because I have told that story multiple times, uh, including on Cape 168, but had this panic attack, ended up in the hospital in October of 2015, eventually got into therapy I started to kind of uncover what was going on. And yeah, my the parts of my brain where creativity lives, creativity had moved out and stress had moved in. That's the easiest way to put it. So I was so consumed by stress and just trying to stay afloat. I mean, literally just pay the rent and survive that there was no room for creativity. I wasn't doing anything creative. I wasn't making any new relationships. I mean, unfortunately, after Skid Row Studios closed, in uh, October of 2015, Jesus, that was six years ago, but uh, when Skid Row Studios closed, which is where I'd been doing Cape from uh, January of 2015 through October of 2015, there wasn't as much uh, activity. There wasn't much as much collaboration. That was disappointing. 
because I actually thought there was something more there than an opportunity to talk or get on camera or use my show for whatever their purposes. And I don't know. Look, it's nothing that's been discussed and I'm not passing judgment. You know, everybody is ultimately doing what's best for them. And if they didn't feel like this was something worth doing or they felt like there was more of an advantage to be on the show, then whatever, you know, live and let live or live and let die. But anyway, but it was disappointing. I thought, wow, these people who I've formed friendships with over the last few years are now just being elusive and uh, I won't even hang out like I'm trying to make plans and just being kind of vague like, oh, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. And then nothing on top of just the struggle of paying the rent and staying afloat and everything and anxiety and stress. And uh, I've been working a studio job for a while. I worked three different jobs at the same studio. And at a point that came to an end, that was March of 2015. And I was looking for more quote unquote day jobs. And that wasn't working out. Had a few potential leads here and there. And I'll get into that more in depth in this, this future group conversation, but wasn't finding a day job. Wanted some kind of stability financially. Wanted like a, a foundation for my income on a weekly basis because this is kind of early in the in the gig economy days and working apps i started working postmates in 2015 and then i started uber and lyft in 2016 and being self-employed that's what it was about it was working i mean i was doing voiceover work freelance and had been doing some stuff but it wasn't consistent it certainly wasn't paying the rent let's put it that way i'd been doing work and had been auditioning a lot but it wasn't paying the bills so all of that experience, it got to the point at the end of 2017 where it was a really difficult year just having to work a lot of hours. I mean, my, honestly, I made more money in 2017 than I made any year of my life because I was working and I was in charge of my income. So I, I did love the part about being an independent contractor. It required a lot more work, but I also wasn't working for somebody else. I, I enjoyed that and I at least had control of my income. Well, time equals more income. So the more I put in, the more I'll get out of it, as opposed to working 40 hours a week and you make the same amount every week and that's it. So I was gratified by that and I did use it to continue working and uh, support my idea of like, well, I don't need a quote unquote real job. I can do whatever it is on my own to support myself while pursuing my creative ambitions. But it was a stressful year. There was anxiety and everything else. And it basically came down to at the end of uh, 2017, I was home for an extended period of time, basically the entire month of December and into early January of 2018 because Jack got married and his wedding was at the beginning of December and I was a groomsman and I wanted to be home for Christmas and New Year's, of course. Uh, Jack's wedding was, I believe, December 7th. I really hope I'm getting that right. And it would have been pointless for me to fly back to California, just fly back again two weeks later. For that money, I could have just stayed in New Jersey and paid my bills and everything. So I said, I'll just stay in Jersey for the month. That's fine. I'll work. I'll save enough money to keep myself afloat and make sure my rent's paid and all that other stuff. And then I'll go back at the beginning of January. So I spent five weeks in Jersey. What happened the week between Christmas and New Year's was I was out at ShopRite just picking up some stuff for my parents and I started feeling anxious. At that point, I knew the feeling well. I had this anxiety that was just rising in my chest. And one of the ways my anxiety has manifested itself is I stutter, which probably has to do, uh, maybe I'm applying logic to it that <laughs> isn't part of it. Maybe this is just me trying to make it make sense. But because so much of my expression comes from speaking 
and, you know, obviously doing the podcast, just being able to communicate or being funnier because there's so much wrapped up in my communication. I think my brain inhibiting my ability to communicate is a way of slowing me down. So that's my rationalization for why does I stutter? I came home from ShopRite and I couldn't, I couldn't keep the stutter from showing up. My mother asked me a question. I tried responding. She could tell something was wrong. You know, I was, I was in the kitchen with my mother and then at a point my father comes in and I'm talking to them and it just through talking about what was on my mind, what basically came out was I can't have 2018 be another year like 2017. I can't struggle like this again. I don't think I could do this myself. I can't deal with the disappointment. I can't deal with the diminishing returns when it comes to what I'm pursuing creatively, what I'm trying to build a career doing. I I don't think I can do this. So the prospect of starting a new year, going back to California and continuing to struggle was too much for me. And I spent the next week or two thinking about it and thinking about, boy, is this really, is there something in this for me anymore? Because I'm really not sure. I don't think this is sustainable for me to stay out there and for me to pursue these things in the way that I am. And at the same time, being disappointed, and these are all thoughts that that came about in the beginning of 2018 as well. It's, it kind of started with this conversation with my parents in between, you know, December 20 something in 2017. Basically, I started to think that, you know what, I can't pursue my creativity in this way out here and it doesn't seem to be paying off. I mean, even the voiceover thing, just because the way technology evolved and I kind of moved out to California at the beginning of this. And um, I think I may have mentioned this a couple of times in the past, but with the ability to get quality recording equipment at home and people getting home studios and everything and hey, in part the popularity of podcasts, anybody get a USB microphone at wherever. I mean, now you can literally get them anywhere for like 20 bucks <laughs> you get you know cheap knockoffs from amazon or whatever but like stores have you can get them at best buy target barnes and noble everybody's got a usb microphone but i think that came into play when it came to technology and how that impacted voiceover so my thought was in los angeles well if you're in proximity to where entertainment is and to where studios are and all of that getting on a cartoon or something you probably stand a better chance because you're there so you can go to a studio you can physically show up well even when it came to voiceover the voice acting gigs that I did, the freelance jobs that I had, none of them were in Los Angeles. None. They were all in other states for different things. Hell, some of them were in New York, funnily enough. And uh, so proximity didn't really matter. So I thought, even if I am going to pursue voiceover, which I enjoyed doing, but it was just you know one of the things I was going to do. It wasn't creatively satisfying because you're being hired for, yes, this talent, and it is performing, essentially. You know, you are acting and you are selling something or you are playing a character or whatever, but it wasn't solely what I was trying to do. But being in Los Angeles wasn't really a factor in that. And my writing wasn't great and I wasn't doing as much of it as I thought. So honestly, I I started having this crisis of faith in myself where I said, I don't know if I can continue doing this. Maybe my creative days are behind me. I mean, I put Cape to bed in summer of 2016, because I knew I didn't want to be just another podcaster doing stuff from his apartment. I mean, that's that's kind of the short version of it. Um, I was spoiled. <laughs> and at the same time, my, my creativity was broadened by the experience at Skid Row Studios and having the video element and this three camera setup and having video episodes. I thought, well, this is so much better than just talking into a microphone and putting that out there. Now there's this new element. Skid Row Studios was like a legit radio studio in the equipment in the the look, everything. 
And I said, I'd rather do that type of show than just go back to doing a podcast for my own thing. We done the guide to life and we done another run of the only podcast that matters at the beginning of 2017. But as far as what I was going to do on my own, I knew I liked doing the show with the guys, but doing something on my own, I said, I just don't want to do a show at home. And, you know, I didn't have the same amount of people I used to who were coming by and whether it was talking about experiences or cracking wise or whatever, you know, kind of like the way the show is now where it could just be a group of people trying to make each other laugh and talking about whatever's going on in the world or in our lives. Since there wasn't as much of that, I thought, wow, it's kind of become a show about the movies I've seen, the concerts I've seen. And I don't just want it to be that. So I don't know what I'm going to do with this podcast thing. So I'm just going to stop. I'm going to hit 100 episodes and stop. And I didn't even mention anything on Cape 100. I think I ended it differently because I end every show with. And this was yet another experiment. See, there it is. I could turn the announce voice on when I want to. But now I'm talking to you in a very real way. So I need to speak lower and more serious. Okay, enough of that, because that's me joking, too. But I ended it. I didn't go back and listen to it. but I ended it with something like, you know, and this is only an experiment or has been an experiment. I forget. I ended it differently because I knew I was going to stop, but I didn't feel like I had to make any kind of announcement or anything like that. And and another factor just in terms of Cape, by the way, and, and me deciding not to, it was because, and I understand this, but the show was its own thing at Skid Row Studios. It was a broadcast. Essentially, it was streamed live through the website. And then the video episode would go out Tuesday and the audio would go out Tuesday. And the broadcast was done every Monday night. Well, Going from that format to somebody doing a podcast at home, different type of show, different dynamic, different energy, the same way they're the shows at Shared Universe now, they're the shows on Zoom. It's just a different energy. It's a different type of show. And downloads dropped after the Skid Row Studios era. And then at the beginning of 2016, when I came home, because my father ended up having bypass surgery, so I was home in uh, the beginning of 2016, at the end of January, until March, taking care of my parents was my priority. So I dropped the show down to every other week and the numbers went down some more. And I just kept the show at every other week for the next six-ish months because I thought, honestly, the pessimistic part of me was like, well, nobody's really listening anyway. So, meh, whatever. I'm not going to break my back trying to do something on a weekly basis. I don't have as many people to talk to when the show is in California, when I'm in California and people aren't listening anyway. So, yeah. So there were a lot of factors of me putting Cape to bed in 2016 so there's some context for that if you're wondering why you're like wait a minute he started the show when 2013 and he's 187 episodes now why the hell did it take eight and a half years to get to 187 episodes that's why i did 100 in the first three years and then have done 87 since march of 2020 so it's it's been on a consistent basis since so podcast aside for a while no podcast ambitions at that point Feeling like just L.A. was diminishing returns overall. Beginning of 2018, I said, you know what? I'm going to move back to Jersey and rebuild. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm going to do exactly. I didn't expect I was going to be podcasting again because we did, as I said, the only podcast that matters did a run at the beginning of 2017, which was supposed to be. It was going to be like a semi-annual thing was the idea. We were going to do like kind of like the TV show format. You know how like a show like, say, Walking Dead. We'll have like a mid-season finale and then it'll come back a couple weeks later for the second half of the season. That was kind of the idea for the format of the only podcast that matters. Well, we'll do like, I think we did 16 episodes. Yeah, we did because 216 episodes of the only podcast that matters. Uh, a little plug. Go get that on all your favorite podcast apps. <laughs> Listen to that show. It's a couple of best ofs. Check those out. We don't plug that enough on, on Cape. We should. But fuck those other guys. Let's get back to me. 
and without having anything to write and just not knowing how and where I was going to do anything, I said, well, I'm just going to move back to Jersey and I'll just I'll figure it out. That's how it's going to go. But I didn't want to just up and leave. I wanted to give myself a chance to enjoy some of the good things about Los Angeles for the rest of the year. So my plan was I will leave in fall, which ended up turning into November 16th was my departure date. That's the date I left Los Angeles and did my drive back to Jersey and took a long drive, took six days to get back. I normally did the cross country drive in four days, but I wanted to have a little bit of a relaxing, low stress period, including just the drive itself, the amount of hours, because it is about a 40 hour drive. So the idea of doing rather than doing 10 hours a day, (laughs) the thought of doing it in, you know, seven ish hours a day, six, seven hours a day is a little bit lighter. So there was kind of no rush to get back, and I needed that that period to kind of cleanse myself, to uh, to detox from Los Angeles. And I didn't know how things were going to go. Uh, so to fast forward a little bit, summer of 2019, moved into a, a place in North Jersey, had a job for a couple of months, a quote-unquote regular job, a real job, whatever you want to call it, that didn't work out. That wasn't what I was hired for. I'll, I'll talk about that some other time. not going to get into that now. But was back to working on the apps and doing deliveries and driving people a little bit. I did a bit of driving, which is probably where I picked up whatever it is I had, the the lung infection that wouldn't quit as my you know primary care doctor thinks it was, or COVID or whatever in the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas 2019, did some rideshare driving, some Uber driving, and was just kind of keeping afloat at that point and looking for work. But going into the holidays, I knew the only places that were going to be hiring were stores, and I sure as hell wasn't going to go back and work in another store again. And January and February being, you know, the end of the fourth quarter, beginning of the first quarter of the fiscal year for a lot of companies. I said, I don't know if there's going to be any hiring going on, but I was sick anyway, so I wasn't looking for work. Bam, pandemic happens, lockdown, quarantine, start doing the show. First day of lockdown, March 16th, 2020, Cape 101, literally unpacked all the gear. The podcasting gear was here at my place and I had to unpack it and literally dust it off just knowing Sunday night that Monday this was going to go into effect I woke up on Monday and said yeah I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the show Monday and Friday and I'm going to check in with my friends and see what's what to get through this period for for me for them for anybody who wants to hear it I don't know if the show is going to be funny although I ended up coming up with the quarantine questionnaire just for fun just to end the show on kind of a, a comedic note so there was that and then Jumped on the Zoom bandwagon in June of 2020 to do a couple of reunion shows with the only podcast that matters with Andrew, Ryan and Jack. And that was fun, too. And it did bring a video element back to the show that I was happy about in that I was able to make a couple of video clips and and put them out, which was cool and put out the full video episodes on the YouTube channel because there hadn't been videos in almost five years at that point since Cape 73, the Skid Row Studios finale. There hadn't been any video. So I said, I'm just going to put this out. There's still subscribers on the channel. We can promote it and share it and people can check it out. And I realize every show is happening on Zoom, really like network shows. Everybody's doing their show on Zoom. So, hey, here's another one. You can watch it and enjoy it if you want. And the idea that everybody had a webcam made it more fun. And now it's not just me talking to people over the phone, which is how it was for the first couple of episodes. I think for the first the first Zoom show is, I think, Cape 118. There were a chunk of shows in there. That were just done over the phone. I was calling people through my computer and then eventually, I think, jumped on another app. And then finally, I got a webcam. That was the only reason I hadn't been doing the show on Zoom 
earlier, to be honest, is because I had to buy webcam, but webcams were sold out in stores and they were going for a premium on like the Amazon marketplace and eBay and stuff like that. So I finally got one for only about $30 more than the price it normally would go for. If you found it in a store, I finally got one on eBay. So that's kind of what kicked off the, the zoom era. And that was fun because doing the show on video and seeing everybody's face was better. And uh, just to back things up a little bit, right before I got sick in uh, December of 2019, a bunch of us went down to Atlantic City to see Richard Marks and Rick Springfield in concert, which was great. And I'd had the idea about bringing Kate back at the beginning of January of 2020, just to have something to work on, just to you know have a perpetual creative project to work on. Didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought, well, I could certainly get all the old players involved. I figured Jack and Ryan and Andrew would be gettable and would be down for participating that maybe they'd come up and we could do two episodes at my apartment. So I said, well, they can come up and we can record shows or, you know, figure something out. This is before kind of Zoom was on everybody's radar. But I said, yeah, I'll start doing the podcast and, and kind of figure it out. But, you know, just to do something was my thought. And I'd approach Jack about being co-host. It seems like he had the most ambition to do something creative just from conversations he and I had. He just seemed like he had an itch that needed to be scratched. Out of everybody, he seemed to be the one who was uh, most reliable in terms of, would you be down for participating in this on a regular basis? Not necessarily weekly, but would you like to be de facto co-host? Before I could finish saying, essentially asking him about it, he said, yes, absolutely, I'm in. Like, okay, cool. And we had tentative plans to start recording what would have been Cape 101, 102 in January, but obviously it didn't happen because I got sick and blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm sure there would have been a point where I would have had Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue is very, very real. <laughs> It's participating in it and watching it and all of that stuff. I mean, every talk show's ratings went down over, you know, during the pandemic, during 2020, because every talk show was happening on Zoom and everybody was communicating with their families via Zoom. So, you know, Zoom fatigue was very much a real thing. I don't know how long I would have been satisfied doing the show on Zoom, to be honest, and doing these virtual shows with everybody. Um, we consciously were not really getting together because we didn't know what was going on. You know, a vaccine seemed to be on the horizon and, you know, there were all these other factors. but. The idea was, well, maybe we get together and actually do a show in person. In fact, Jack and I did in August of 2020. We did uh, Cape 128. He came to the apartment and we did a show just sitting with microphones here in my home studio and just yacked for an hour about the summer movie season that wasn't. That's actually the name of the episode, the summer movie season that wasn't because everything was released on premium VOD or was pushed back to 2021. And that was fun just to do a show in person with somebody. But I thought, there's, I, I just don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. I'm sure if Zoom and doing the shows at home were the only option, I probably would have gotten bored. And I do think everybody would have been, I don't know that anyone would have been as eager to sit in my apartment and do shows, especially with me living an hour-ish away from everybody. I didn't know that people were going to come to the apartment. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't have gone to them necessarily to do shows, but, you know, brought my equipment to to their place and maybe worked around it that way. But I just didn't know that the excitement would be there until at some point later in August of 2020, when I'm searching Instagram and I see a recommended post and it was from a shared universe podcast studio. And I was like, what is this podcast? Where's there a podcast studio? And then I'm looking at this dude in the picture, Ming Chen. I was like, oh, why do I know that name? Who is that guy? I know I know who he is. And then going to the shared universe. Well, I went to the Instagram first and then obviously it took me to the website. Turned out to be Ming and Mike. Two of the stars of AMC's comic book men, friends of Kevin Smith. And I said, oh, my God, they have a, a podcasting studio. That's interesting. Where is this? They have it in Eatontown. 
Eatontown's doable while Jack's close to Eatontown, and I would drive to Eatontown to check out studio. Oh, they got video? Okay, it's a one-camera setup, but still, they got video. Hmm. That's closer to what I'd like to be doing. Now, I remember sending the link to Jack and telling him, I want to go check this place out. And Jack, as I've joked about with him a couple of times, said, uh, yeah, we'll have to do that at some point. I was like, no, I want to go like right away as soon as possible. So he and I coordinated a date and I booked in on September 22nd, 2020 at a shared universe in Eatontown. And if you do follow me on Instagram at Chris sells out on uh, September 23rd, I did make a post reflecting on the past year, September 22nd. The reason I remember that date, it's because it's my sister's birthday. So she got a post on that day. So the studio got a post the day after, but it was reflecting on a year since arriving at a shared universe because Jack and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. And the show we were going to hang on to, uh, it wasn't something that had to go out like the following Monday. I already had something lined up for that. So I said, well, let's do a show and feel the place out. And, you know, this episode will just kind of be in the bank and, you know, we'll put it out at some point. And we roll into a shared universe and we're blown away by the place. And Ming is there and he greets us as soon as we walk in. He's like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm not slipping into an insensitive Ming impression like Jack did on recent episodes. But Ming said, hey, guys, welcome. You know, it's nice to meet you. And Jack is bowled over. Jack is starstruck because Jack used to watch comic book men on a weekly basis. I didn't watch comic book men at the time because I didn't even have cable. So I never watched the show. I was aware of it. And as I've talked about, people were bringing that up to me in California. Like there's a show that takes place at a comic book store in Jersey. I'm like, right. Jane, Silent Bob, Secret Stash. Been there many times. Great store. Yes, I've heard about that. I hadn't seen the show, but you know, there you go. And uh, Jack and I walk into the main studio and who's sitting there, but Christian Cordes, who introduced himself as Chris. So I said, well, I'm Chris, so we're going to have to distinguish you in some way. I guess you're going to be Engineer Chris, and that's where that nickname came from. I don't remember if it happened on that first night or not. I think maybe after the show it might have, because we weren't expecting him to participate in the show. Jack and I were going in there figuring we we're just going to do a show in a different environment, in a studio. There's going to be a video for it, which the video is at a bad angle. That's the only reason you've never seen anything from that episode. It's, I mean, Jack and I were both overweight at the time. That doesn't help. So it's fat Chris and fat Jack sitting there. And, you know, Jack talked about it a couple of, what was it? Cape 171. Uh, when he was talking about his weight loss journey, about how he knew he looked awful. And part of it was seeing the picture that I took of him that first time in shared universe. And uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. I mean, it's, it's funny now at the time it wasn't, but the video is not like at this, we're at the end of the table at an angle, like Ming had set up the camera kind of to the side of us. And all you see is just chins and necks and guts. It's not good. It's not an attractive angle whatsoever. Uh, that show, by the way, was uh, Cape 138. And Jack and I just said, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to do an, let's say, an evergreen episode. We're going to do, you know, we're going to talk about movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We haven't talked about anything in years. We didn't talk about, you know, the completion of the Infinity Saga with Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. And uh, we just said we're going to go in and just talk kind of casually about that stuff. And what better an environment when I'm looking at pictures of the place and video from other podcasts I'm like this is like nerd heaven. Look at the the decor in this place. What better a subject than to talk about comic book movies? Because Jack and I don't read comic books. I think he has started, though. I don't know. I should ask him about that. But I said, what better a place to talk about this stuff? Well, we weren't expecting 
that Christian was going to be a part of the show. I wasn't anticipating it and uh, didn't tell him, feel free to jump in, like just kind of rolled in and was very focused on Jack and I. If anything, I was nervous because I was sitting in a studio again for the first time. And it's a lot different, especially after being at home for six months at that point. And granted, Jack and I had done a show at home, but you're still at home. So you're relaxed. You're in your space. So going into a studio was a whole different thing. And it kind of brought back. I remember driving there. I had the same excitement that I had when I used to drive to a shared universe, excuse me, uh, Skid Row Studios on a weekly basis in 2015. I felt that like going to the studio and doing a show. This is fun. This is going to be cool. All right. Got it. Got to be conscientious of the camera at some point, even though I didn't know what I was going to do with the video or if I was even going to release the video. I just which I haven't. (laughs) But. I said I just got in a different headspace that I hadn't been in at that point almost five years. And we get halfway through the show. And at a point, Christian chimes in with something and he joined us for essentially the second half of the show. So it became a three piece show just through the course of it. And at the end of it, Christian apologized to me like, man, I'm sorry. It's just you guys are talking about this and you're speaking my language like, dude, no, you completely added to the show. I loved it. I loved having you be a part of it. Like, don't worry about it. Everything you had to say was funny, interesting. Your reactions were great. Like this, this is awesome. If you're an engineer at the studio, like we love this studio anyway, and this was a great experience. So if you're going to be around, oh, this is going to be cool. Now, immediately Jack and I had to run and tell Andrew and Ryan about this. Just be like, you guys aren't going to believe it. I mean, we talked about it because October of 2020 was the 10th anniversary of the only podcast that matter. So the plan was to do something to celebrate that 10th anniversary. So my thought was, well, let's do a block of shows in the studio, the four of us, because this was our ambition back when we started doing the show, like to go to a studio, a professional studio, not have to do everything by ourselves, not completely DIY. We can roll into a place and just do the show, just perform. OK, you've been going on and on about the whole history of your downer bullshit and you know where the show came to be last year and stuff we already know. So where's all this going? Well, here's where all of this adds up. And uh, again, the post I made on September 23rd, celebrating the year at the studio, I did want to show my appreciation for Ming Chen, Mike Zapsik, Christian Cordes, and Chris Mad, because I got to tell you, I'm in love with those guys. I am in love with those four guys. I've said it a lot of times over the summer during many shows because we only returned to a shared universe in May after everybody was vaccinated and everything. Well, we did the live show in April, but... In general, the show's been there, with a few exceptions, since May on a weekly basis. But the truth is, those guys are the missing pieces that the four of us never knew were missing. And now that we found them, we we wouldn't have it any other way. And I actually did post, uh, today I'm doing the show actually on September 30th, just for reference. But I posted today in my Instagram story because the studio put out on their Instagram a photo of Chris, Christian, and Ming. Because they were working on a broadcast together and I just posted something. It'll be in my highlights. If you want to go to my Instagram, it'll be in the uh, the 2021 highlights section. And I just want to say these three guys, I've only known them a year and now I can't imagine this journey without them. And it's absolutely true because the studio itself and finding guys who are so supportive and who bring so much to the show. It's so unexpected, plus everything that's come about from the studio. And this is where I want to get into the last year for all the the anxiety, the depression, the heartbreak, the disappointment, you know, the the expectations that didn't work out for all of that stuff that was so prevalent in my 30s and during my time in Los Angeles to the point where I moved back. And I'm telling you, I moved back here and I was even planning on like, I mean, I remember having a conversation with my father about maybe being a, a plumber or an electrician because I thought. 
I think creatively I'm bankrupt. I think I'm just out of stuff and maybe I'm just not that good. That was my real crisis of faith in all of this that I felt, I, I think it's over. I think it's time for me to put all that stuff behind me, all those creative ambitions. I think I'm done. That's really how I felt. And bringing Kate back was something of a self-preservation move in that, you know, with the uncertainty of the pandemic and quarantine and lockdown and all that other stuff, that it was very much to keep my sanity. And it was something that I knew would bring enjoyment to the people who participated. And uh, people did listen. That was the thing. If, if anything, I was afraid that the pandemic was going to define Cape and I didn't want it to be solely about the pandemic. I wanted to talk to everybody about it and check in with everybody in a public way. I mean, obviously I was talking to them personally, but I didn't want that to define what the show was going to be now that the show was back. But I also think, like I said, doing the show on zoom or getting together maybe twice a month to do shows at someone's place in a group wouldn't have had the same dynamic, but finding the studio just through luck, it was luck to find it. And it was as I have to take credit for, as I've talked about before with my therapist is that, Seeing the opportunity was there and taking advantage of it, seeing there was an opportunity at the studio saying, hey, guys, we need to go check out the studio and meeting these people who are invaluable. I mean, it was not until a couple of weeks because Christian was actually having trouble with uh, his car. So the first two episodes, the four of us did together at a shared universe. The first one was engineered by Mike Zapsik, which was our first time meeting him, properly meeting him. The guys had met him at the store. And uh, then Ming was our engineer for Kate 140. So Mike engineer 139, Ming engineer 140. And they, they kind of ended up participating. Anyway, Christian was having car trouble. So he just wasn't as available at the time because when we saw him the next week, which Andrew missed because Andrew was sick, which kind of became a joke, like the third episode in this, you know, 10th anniversary celebration of the only podcast that matters. We're going to do this run of shows, the studio, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen because Andrew didn't make it. And Christian essentially stepped in as the fourth voice, which was great. Because he fits in so incredibly well, which Jack and I knew from doing the one episode with him. Now, Ryan knew it and Andrew knew it listening back. And at the end of the episode, Christian actually said to Ming, who was also uh, he wasn't in the room, but he was in the studio itself. He said, these guys are fucking awesome. Every time they're booked in, I want to be their engineer. And this is after doing two shows with us. I'm getting I'm honestly I don't know if it's it's coming across, but like I'm getting emotional even just saying it because like. It's something I've talked to the uh, the other three about. I keep repeating it. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, but Andrew, Jack, and Ryan. That, you know, like I said, the, the pieces we never knew we were missing, but also the idea of, we, we kind of did the only podcast that matters in a bubble. In as much as we only knew people were listening if they would leave comments or if they'd interact with us, you know, if they comment on Facebook or, you know, reply on Twitter or something like that. Um, or send an email to us because we had an email address as well. You could just email in the show. And we did. We would get some nice emails from people. And I would always email them back because I was the only one checking the email. But that's another story. But um, we didn't know who was listening. We didn't have metrics. We weren't measuring downloads or anything like that. The only reason I started doing that was because when I started doing Cape at Skid Row Studios, I was set up with an account, a free account, to be able to check statistics and stuff like that so I could monitor the growth. And that was part of the the evolution of the show and the evolution of me as a podcaster and realizing like, oh, okay, this is how you measure this stuff. Okay, this is how the distribution breaks down. These are the apps people are listening on or if they're listening through the computer and through my website or through a, a podcasting app or whatever. So we never measured any of those things during the four years of the show. 
So we didn't know if anybody else found it funny because everybody thinks their friends are funny. Everybody gets together with friends and they have laughs and I'm sure everybody thinks their friends are the funniest people in the world. Not everybody sits down with those friends and puts out shows with them. So it's very easy for us to say, oh, we're funny, but we don't know if anybody else finds us funny. But we were just enjoying doing the show so much for a time anyway that uh, we put it out there. One thing that I think was important and was a unmotivating for the guys, I'm not trying to out anybody, but I, I definitely, Andrew and Ryan definitely voiced concerns and feeling like we don't know if we have an audience. We're not getting any kind of feedback. We're not getting, you know, whatever it is they needed. Any any validation from outside of us. Now we had that validation because now we're getting together at the studio and the guys who work at the studio who all do their own creative things. I mean, aside from being podcasters in their own right, they do all sorts of other stuff. So they think we're funny and they're down to participate in our particular brand of nonsense. So we must be funny. We must be good. Oh, and we also, not only do we get along great with these guys, we love being in the studio space. And honestly, finding the studio and being able to do the show at the studio was it it made all the difference. It's literally why I'm sitting here in front of this microphone talking at you about all of this, because this came about in the last year. We started going there after I turned 39. And uh, what also happened, this is the other uh, important part of my uh, my creative ambitions slash career ambitions and all of that, is that last August, I started a screenwriting workshop which led to me finally starting the screenplay. Part of the workshop was you also got a one-on-one -on -one with a, a mentor, one of the writers. And these are just, aren't just teachers. These are people who are actually professional writers. So I had a one-on-one -on -one and I was able to submit pages. I had this idea floating around in my head since 2017 because I even met up with somebody and talked to them about it and they thought it was a really good idea. This is in California, of course. I had the, the basic framework. I didn't have the whole story laid out, but I knew I had this idea that just wouldn't leave me alone. And now that I learned some some format and some different elements of screenwriting through this workshop and the mechanics, so to speak, of writing a screenplay, along with format and things like that, I said, OK, I'm going to start writing this. And I had a really good one on one session with my mentor. And I said, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this. So I started doing these biweekly writing sessions where I was submitting pages and trying to get through this screenplay and really flesh out this idea because I said, I keep thinking about this. It's it's something there's got to be something here. And uh, I want to give credit and thanks to Jacob Kruger Studio in New York and Dan Gunderman, who I've been working with since last September in getting the screenplay done. I don't remember when I finished the first draft. It was April-ish, I want to say. So I'd worked on this for about six months before I got to the first draft. Just bits and pieces, a couple of pages at a time, writing a few times a week. And thinking a whole lot of other times, trying to figure it out. There's definitely an element of sitting down, doing the work and actually typing it out. But I do spend a lot of time in my head kind of playing things out. And in particular with this, one of the ways I write is I kind of watch the movie in my head first and then I sit down to write it instead of sitting down at the keyboard and just typing kind of uh, free form or just spur of the, the moment. You know, I, I tend to play things out first and then write them down. So I'm translating it from my head into my fingers into the keyboard, which puts them up on the screen. I'm sure you didn't need me to lay all that out. I bet you probably figured that out on your own, but that's my process. And so wrapped up the first draft in April, finished the second draft in June. I posted a vague uh, celebration around, uh, it was June 22nd of 2021 that I finished the second draft, the what I call the vastly superior new draft of my screenplay, which I'm still at work on, which I'm still polishing. But this second draft 
the story was what I want it to be. I'm continuing to write this. I'm continuing to polish it and uh, make the funny parts funnier and make the characters better, fleshing them out more. And it's going somewhere. This is going to be my first feature film. If I need to do it myself or if I'm able to do it independently or maybe a studio is going to pick it up. Unlikely because <laughs> small scale uh, comedies aren't really the types of movies studios are making these days. But this is my debut directorial feature and a writing debut, you know, my first real screenplay. And it's all come about just in this last year. Again, 39 after a really difficult time, after feeling like all the stuff was gone. So the the idea that the podcast has become this this thing that keeps building momentum and the audience is growing and it keeps moving forward and getting better. The show honestly just gets better all the time, in my opinion. And there's the video element and I'm pumping out these video clips on a weekly basis. And I enjoy that. I enjoy editing and putting all of that together. That's another thing that I've really gotten to really enjoy just in the last six months of really cutting video and editing video clips and doing that on a regular basis. I just I, I love it. It's part of the process that I really, really enjoy because that's being creative in a different way. It's crazy to think all of this stuff has happened in the last year with this screenplay, with meeting the four guys from a shared universe and all the people I've met through that, even people through quarantine, being in, in touch with different people, different artists and uh, di meeting different people at a shared universe, other podcasters. You know, there's a lot more coming up. I don't really like announcing things until they're done. I guess I have a complex about it because the announcement is one thing. Getting it done is another. So I don't like really talking about things until they're in the can. I don't like saying, hey, this person's coming up on the show until the show's done <laughs> because I just, you know, stuff happens. Hey, you don't want to announce it. And then it doesn't come to pass. And then people think like, oh, crap, that didn't happen. So I tend to not announce things too far in advance, but this last year has turned my previous way of thinking on its head because I thought I was creatively done. I really did. I thought I was empty. I thought that was it. Had no ambitions for podcasting. Sure, I had this film idea, but didn't know that I was going to sit down to write it or how the story was going to go. It was just an idea. That's all it was. And I had a bunch of other ideas, but never sat down to write them or flesh them out. You know, the, the spark never went away, but it was dim. I'll say that it was really, really dim for a while. And this last year, it's exploded. It really, it's it's like I said in, in my post about this first year at a shared universe that going there was like pouring a drum of jet fuel on my spark. It's taken all of us by surprise, once again, the four of us, that these these ambitions, these things we started doing have now built in a way that we didn't expect. I mean, the guys weren't looking at podcasts. The other three guys weren't looking at necessarily podcast or build that into something. I mean, for them, it was always I actually had a conversation with Ryan the other day and it kind of sums it up perfectly. We were talking on the phone and he said, you know, for a long time, even doing the only podcast that matters, his whole idea or his whole perspective, I should say on it was if it happens, if it happens, meaning if this turns into something granted, now it's Cape It's not the only podcast that matters. But now his perspective is when it happens, because we have such a good thing going, we have so much momentum. All those guys are inspired and are pitching ideas to me. Ultimately, you know, I'm making the decision as it is my show, but those guys are coming at me with ideas all the time. They got stuff they want to do. They're going to be doing some stuff on Patreon. They're going to be doing some stuff on YouTube. I mean, there are a lot of ideas and there's a lot of creative energy going on, which is great because I have a lot anyway. <laughs> and, you know, I've written a movie. I have a screen. It's literally sitting beside me right now. This stack of papers. I have 110 pages sitting next to me. That's a movie that I can't believe it. 
that a year ago I would have thought, wow, this is within reach. But July of 2020, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have known what was going on with Cape. I would have thought like, well, this has been good for a little while, but I don't know if it's going to sustain. If I end up going to 30 episodes, yeah, whatever. But I'm not expecting this to turn into something. So the idea, and this is what I hope people take away from this. It's not just me sitting here, you know, telling you my story. I hope you actually get something out of this in that you don't know where things are leading. You really, really don't. I mean, certainly none of my ambitions in the ways I imagined them planned out the way they were, whether it was with my music career that was never to be, whether it's with my ambitions and goals for the only podcast that matters. Things haven't turned out the way I expected to, but none of that was wasted. It was all leading here. And I didn't know it the entire time. There were times I felt it was leading nowhere, but yet here I am. This is where I find myself right on the edge of turning 40 with the screenplay Mostly done, like I said, going to continue polishing it. And with the show that is just getting better all the time, that has this group of people beyond just the four of us, beyond just the alumni of the only podcast that matters. We have the four guys that are share universe. We have Joe and John from Comics, Cartoons, and Craft Beer. We have a bunch more people lined up who are down to participate. Like the, the show's just going to be expanding and it's going to be, oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm back in a place and I used to be this way. And I haven't for a while, but really in this last year, I'm in a place where I have so many ideas bugging me that I can't fall asleep at night. <laughs> I used to be that way for a long time. And then that was replaced by stress of how am I going to pay the rent? How many hours do I need to Uber drive you know, tomorrow? Or I got to make how much money this weekend in order to pay the rent? So, you know, I don't get a, a notice. <laughs> and now it's, it's all different. It is all different now. These things seem within reach because all that experience was worth something. It felt it didn't feel like it was at the time. It didn't feel like it for a while. But here we are. Now, certainly there's a lot of luck involved. Timing is always a factor. Timing is everything with, with in so many ways just in life. But here it is. Things are happening. And you know what? I never would have thought so. If you had told me that things were going to be this way, I, I don't know that I would have believed you. You told me a year and a half ago at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was uncertain, I, I definitely don't think I would have believed it. But this last year has really turned my perception of the last 10 years on its head because it has been leading here. I didn't know it. And, you know, some of it is, like I said, through luck, through timing, through me seeing opportunities and going after them. So there are a lot, there's a lot of elements to it. But what's my great wisdom turning 40? I don't have any yet. <laughs> There's the reveal. That's what I'm going to tell you. Here's my great wisdom in these 40 years. I don't know. I don't know anything. I've experienced a couple of things. I've done some stuff, but what's going to be how to do it? I don't know. There's this whole thing, particularly when it comes to people who have success, when it comes to anything, whether it's people on TikTok or people who do podcasts or YouTubers or whatever, there's always this idea. Everybody tries to reverse engineer what happens. Like, how did it come to be? Well, they did this and they had so many videos and then they did it on this one subject when it was trending and that got picked up here and blah, blah, blah. And they tried to, to make a blueprint out of it. Like, this is a strategy. This is how this happened. And sure, you can see all of the signs when you when you look back on it, on all the steps and how things came to be. You can reverse engineer it. Doesn't mean it's going to play out the same way for anybody else. But that's something people try to do now, whether it's going viral or getting something going on, you know, in in the internet or app space or whatever it is. Everybody tries to figure out the way to kind of do it. And yeah, there's a point. There's going to be a Cape episode or a Cape video clip or 
an episode trailer or something that more people are going to see than have seen before. And it's going to take things to another level. What's that going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be a subject? Is it going to be an episode that comes along when the time is right? Is it the right hashtag the right week? Is it a guest who's going to come on the show? No idea. It's something you can't plan for, but it's something that I hope to be ready for when it happens because of all of the time put in, all of the hours, all of the work, everything that's been put in. Same when it comes to writing. I have other ideas. I've had an idea for a film, which at this point could be my second one. It's the screenplay I want to start working on when I'm at a place where I'm satisfied with this. Uh, It's an idea that I've had since 2007 that I started writing scenes for and I have dialogue written for. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But this is something I've had in my mind for a while, and I think it's worthwhile to pursue as my next screenplay. The next one I'm going to sit down and try to figure out, try to turn it from the movie that's in my head into something people can read and hopefully see in the same way I do, and then something that actually becomes a film. But the journey's interesting. That's been my recurring theme with my interviews. You know, if you've listened to the one-on-ones I've I've done with uh, different people, whether it's been Ming Chen or Mike Zapsik or Militia Vox or the Morano boys, Pete, Joe, and Mike. It's the journey. Because the journey is interesting because everybody always has these these moments or these challenges. Or, you know, nobody nobody's career, in at least in anything creative, but in most areas of life, if we're being honest, I only have the perspective of creativity. But I don't know, frankly, anybody in their pursuits who have just been on an incline at a straight upward angle all the way without dips, without plateaus and a point where they have to rebuild and figure things out again, which is why I moved back to Jersey. And the funny part about all of this is not funny, haha, but just more funny, strange to me is in coming back to Jersey, I found what I went looking for in California. I went looking for people who were creatively minded, who were motivated, who were down for doing something like this. I ended up finding them here. I didn't expect that. I really, really didn't. You know, that's a timing thing, too. A Shared Universe only came along in 2017. And I don't know at what point Christian and Chris started working at the studio. But it's also the proliferation of podcasts and, you know, all these all these other things that have come about. So it's not something that just, like, was here in 2012 when I decided to go back out to California and I just missed it. It's something that came along eventually. It to me is just fascinating that I ended up finding it exactly where I started. So you don't know. You just don't know. I certainly don't know. So do I have any great wisdom to bestow upon you after this whole show of talking to you in a semi-therapeutic fashion and being honest about my journey? What can I say is that I don't know. And you probably don't know either. And that's okay. Because time's going to continue moving on. You're still going to have birthdays. Oh, my God. You're going to have lows. You're going to have highs. You're going to have all of it. I'm not just saying in some, you know, Zen or evolved or hippie way, like it's going to be okay, but you just have to navigate it. You just have to keep at it and you do the best you can and you figure it out along the way. That's all anybody is trying to do. It really is. And that's why, you know, I could put some of the the negative experiences or the, or the disappointments of California in perspective because I don't take it personally. I don't think it had to do with me. That's just the nature of what it's like out there. I'm sorry to say, and I've talked to enough people about Los Angeles, particularly people who spent any kind of time out there at some point, and they understand that's just how it is. I know it has nothing to do with me, but it's hard for it to not feel personal when people aren't replying to you. But at the same time, listen, it's not like I expected Hollywood's going to be turned on its head because Chris Abalo has shown up. 
that's not what I expected whatsoever. And I've said that before that I used to say that to people when I would pick them up, you know, when they moved to Los Angeles and I was Uber driving that they expected, like, oh, I'll give it six months. And then, you know, if, if nothing happens and I'll move back home and I would say, listen, don't even unpack your suitcase. Doesn't work that way. Just because you're here doesn't mean everybody's waiting for you. That's not how it goes. If you want to work at it, that's cool. Trust me. I've been voice acting. I've been out here for a couple of years. I'm trying to make something work. It doesn't just happen within six months. If you want to come here and establish yourself and make connections with people or network, which is a nice overused word that everybody <laughs> keeps saying like crazy, like networking, networking. It's who you know. Wish I could remember who told me that, but it was somebody in California. And I wish I, I truly wish I could tell you who, who said it. I would love to give them credit. And I said this when Christian and I did the show, Cape 180. But it's not who you know. It's who knows you. It's who can recommend you for a job or who can say, I know a person who can do this. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. And just because you show up in like it's probably the same thing for New York and the same thing for Nashville or Atlanta or Toronto, Vancouver, anywhere there's productions or some element of show business. Again, I can only speak to show business, but look, people deal with it in all different kinds of jobs. Of course, the point is you just got to keep at it. That's the that's the takeaway. I don't want to go on a whole tangent about people's careers and all that other stuff, but uh, it's it's perspective that I've only come to have within the last year that I didn't expect. You know, my 30s, I was just like, my 30s have sucked. You know, and people don't look forward to 40. I'm looking forward to 40. I'm looking for the fresh start. I like the fresh start of a new decade. Yes, I know. Every day is a fresh start. And, you know, every Sunday or every Monday or whatever time you want to assign to when you're going to start the diet or start that thing or, you know, stop this bad habit or whatever. Like, yeah, I know every day is a fresh start. And, you know, I'm 40 technically for one day. And then it's 40 in one day, 40 in two days, 40, you know, it just goes on and on. It's kind of arbitrary. Just say you're this many years old. But the truth is, considering turning 40 is, again, a landmark age and it's something people put a lot of emphasis on, I thought, well, what have I learned? Well, up to 39, I would have told you, like, mm, I, I really don't know. I don't know that I even could have sat and, and done this. But between 39 and 40, yeah, it's given me a lot of perspective. And to close out, I want to say once again, Ming Chen, Mike Zapsik, Christian Cordez, Chris Mad, I love you guys. I really do. You are incredibly supportive. And I am lucky to have you guys as collaborators. And I'm honored to have you as friends. I really am. Who who could have known? And, you know, I, I said that in this this post on Instagram today. And the truth is, you don't yet know all of the people who will be important in your life. You haven't met them yet. I didn't meet these guys until a year ago. And look how important they become. I can't imagine this journey without them. Now that they're here, want to keep them around. <laughs> they become that integral to this whole thing. And Andrew, Ryan, Jack... You know I love you guys. You guys know I love you. And thank you for being supportive and for putting your faith in a crazy person. I guess I should be grateful you didn't have anything more going on that you decided to uh, hit your wagon to mine. So thanks for continuing to be down for this. And uh, of course, thank you to everybody who's participated in CAPE. I mean, I'm not saying a farewell or anything, but just thank you if you've been a part of the show at all, the history of this show, because it's all led here. I appreciate you and I'm grateful for you. And thank you for spending the time and thank you for listening and spending the time. If you've listened, if you've watched, if you've done anything, I can't imagine this was your first episode because man, what a, <laughs> what a week to pick. I'm going to check the show out. Oh God, this is heavy shit. Wait, no, stick it out to the end, please. It's, there's going to be something good at the end. There's going to be perspective that maybe you didn't expect. Also, he says he doesn't know anything, but 
thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following the show at Kate Pod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And you can also follow me at Chris Abalo on Twitter and a Chris Sells Out on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, again, I hope you got something out of this. I really do. Or if you just wanted some backstory, well, if nothing else, you got that. <laughs> you got more of uh, what has led to this show and a bit of my story. And hopefully that's worth something. And the show will be back next week. So until then, this is Chris Abalo and this was yet another experiment. Getting old sucks. Don't let anybody tell you any different.